In today's episode of the Fifth Estate Podcast, we're going to be digging deep and getting uh, dirty and up to the elbows in it in the discussing the Public Health and Wellbeing Amendment Pandemic Management Bill 2021 that is currently before Parliament. Now, this is going to be a long and hopefully informative episode. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. My name is Cameron Blewett and thank you for joining me here on episode three of the Fifth Estate Podcast. Now, as I said at the start of the show, I'm going to be talking about the Public Health and Wellbeing Amendment Pandemic Management Bill that is currently before Parliament. Now, I am aware that when this comes out, uh, there may be uh, amendments presented. If that is the case, uh, I will talk about the amendments in the, the following episode, though honestly, I don't believe that any amendments can make this bill uh, anything worth passing. Now, in addition to the bill, which is, uh, let me have a squeezy here, 113 pages, we have a 70, what have we got? 73 page explanatory memorandum that goes with it. Now, if anyone has been following any bills or anything like that, uh, it's fair enough to see a new bill that size, to see an amendment bill that size with explanatory memorandum that is that big is very concerning. Now, before we get onto that, we need to ask the question, why does it need to be why does the Public Health and Wellbeing Act need to be amended? Now, there is um, concerns that uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, is, which creates the disease COVID-19, is in pandemic stage uh, proportions, whatever it is, around the world. Now, there may be uh, the World Health Organization has declared it a pandemic. That may be true for other jurisdictions, environments, but we're not talking about them. What we are talking about is just here in little old Victoria. Now, uh, if you listen to the episode yesterday, I went over uh, the stats of that, fatality rates, etc., etc. Now, not much has changed from there to today. Uh, today's cases for the 16th of November is 797, um, which takes a total of 14,131 active cases and 53,527 test results were received in the last 24 hours. Now, does that mean we're in a pandemic. I don't know. You be the guess of it um, because for some reason all these quote-unquote experts say that we are. Uh, if you consider the hospitalisation rates and fatality rates of uh, other things that are going on in this state, for example, the um, uh, lives lost due to vehicular accident, uh, collisions, uh, that is a, a worrying number. The uh, monthly suicide rate, which uh, October's hasn't been published yet, so um, it's September was up to the, I think, mid-400 mark off the top of my head. And there's, a, a um, unfortunately, a, a number of other um, viruses and diseases out there that claim numbers of uh, substantially higher rates. So that being said, let's have a look at the bill. Now, as I said... This is a hundred and something pages. Um, I may, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go through the whole lot page by page because I think that that would just bore everyone to tears and essentially isn't needed. Uh, though what I will do is go through 
relevant bits and, and discuss each ones and what I think are the concerning parts of the bill. Uh, so this was presented to the lower house in October, late October, and passed there. Obviously, it did because the Andrews regime holds a substantial numbers in there. Uh, did get the supports of the one Greens member who was in there, and they've since come out and turned around and, and um, talking about all their amendments and and how good their amendments make the bill uh, when it when it goes to the legislative council. Now, this bill. Uh, what it is going to do is create a um, trigger for a pandemic management um, process uh, when the Premier decides to declare a pandemic or a pandemic potential, uh, which is, is different to the current Public Health and Wing being Act. It actually needs to be a pandemic and declared by the Chief Health Officer. Now, this bill has, uh, this amendment bill has been in um, discreet or um, I won't say discreet, I'll be top secret negotiations with uh, the three um, key or three left-leaning crossbenchers, uh, Andy Medic, uh, Fiona Patton and Samantha Ratnam from the Greens. Now, they've been involved in discussions since about March, though Ms Patton has come out and said that she hasn't had uh, a look at the bill in finer detail, which is concerning if she's been in negotiations with the government for the last six months on this bill. Now, that being said, when it comes down to it, does the uh, condemnation, etc., that this bill is uh, receiving and the concerns that have been raised about it, are they justified? I genuinely do believe so because, as I've said, uh, it, this bill uh, takes the um, ability to declare a state of emergency, in this case it will be a pandemic, out of the hands of the Chief Health Officer and gives it to the Premier. Now, why will that be so bad? It's an elected official. Well, you know what? The way our parliament is running at the moment, I don't think it really matters who declares things. Uh, you know, there's no accountability for anything. Uh, now, talking about that uh, tweet by Martin Foley, who's the health minister at the moment, uh, has said that this bill uh, increases transparency and accountability and all that sort of good stuff, all those key words, except yet he fails to acknowledge that the Public Health and Wellbeing Act already has those um, triggers in there and those requirements. And if you remember back to the previous episode, uh, the objectives, uh, okay, the principles of the Public Health Wellbeing Act, which is uh, Section 8, Principle of Accountability, and then there's the Principle of Proportionality, the Principle of Collaboration, uh, so, you know, all these are being ignored and this is the, the, the act itself. And then there's also the bit about um, releasing the health advice to the minister. Well, you had a look at the last one. If you've had a look at um, the 20th report, there is no advice. It's just a guess from the acting chief health officer at the time to say, hey, we need to extend it because, hey, I don't know what's going to happen, so let's go. Um, haven't looked through that. Oh no, that's only talk about that. So, um, why is all this needed? Um, this bill is needed so Supreme Leader Andrews can continue locking people down, uh, detaining people in what he calls hotel quarantine, which, uh, for a particular point, is not. 
Uh, it is hotel detention because the state has no constitutional authority to deal with quarantine. They, people are being detained under the Public Health and Wellbeing Act, not under any quarantine acts or anything like that. Obviously, because quarantine is the constitutional responsibility of the Commonwealth. So let's dig into the bill here. Uh, I do have a printed copy, so you will hear the pages flicking over in the background. That is because... I don't know, I'm a bit old school here and I can't read through uh, long-winded PDFs on a screen. I don't know, something, it just makes me bleh. Um, So, uh, okay, there's nothing interesting in the definitions, which is amendment. It it defines an independent pandemic management advisory committee, a pandemic declaration, um, pandemic management area, which, you know, this is all the same thing. Um, we'll talk about uh, what a protective services officer is, work safe, um, and the scrutiny of acts and regulations committee. Uh, so, and it goes through that. Uh, nothing there. Uh, talking about changes of that. Where we get into the exciting part where we talk about protection um the new Part 8A, which is the protection of life and public health during pandemics. Uh, Division 1, objection, objection, objective and interpretation. Objective of this part. The objective of this part is to protect public health and well-being in Victoria by establishing a regulatory framework for preventing and managing the serious risk to life, public health or well-being presented by the outbreak or spread of pandemics or diseases of pandemic potential. And supporting proactive response, decision, responsive decision making for the purposes of preventing and managing the outbreak or spread of pandemic and diseases of pandemic potential, and ensuring that decisions made uh, and actions taken under this part are informed by public health advice and other relevant information, including but not limited to advice given by the chief health officer, and promoting transparency and accountability in relation to decisions made and actions taken under this part, and safeguarding contact tracing information that is collected when a pandemic declaration is in force. Now, remember, it is a disease of pandemic potential. Um, for those of you who... Uh, actually, we'll, we'll talk, before I get into that, I'll talk about this one. Uh, the next section, Division 2, Pandemic de- Declarations. Premier may make a pandemic declaration, which is the, going to be new section 165AB. The subsection one, the Premier may make a declaration under this subsection, and in brackets a pandemic declaration, if the Premier is satisfied that there is a serious risk to public health arising from a pandemic disease or a disease of pandemic potential. Subsection two, the Premier must consult with and consider the advice of the Minister and Chief Health Officer before making a pandemic declaration. Subsection three, three. The Premier may make a pandemic declaration whether or not at the time the declaration is made, A, a pandemic disease is present in Victoria, or B, the disease is a disease of pandemic potential that is present in Victoria, as the case requires. So going back to, um, what was it, the video from Bill Gates, uh, one of his little... um, I don't know whether he's setting the scene early or telling people what's to come. Uh, he reckons that smallpox is going to be the next pandemic. So there is nothing stopping uh, Premier Andrews um, from that turning around saying, hey, you know what? 
COVID's gone. We're not going to worry about um, COVID anymore. We're going to worry about weaponized smallpox. So let's call a pandemic declaration because it's coming. We need to do this stuff to keep people safe. Well, hey, is the chief health officer going to go again or, or give bad advice to the premier or advice that is contradic- contrary to what the premier wants? And even if he does, all it says is the premier must consult with and consider. All he's got to do is say, well, you know what, I considered the advice of the chief officer where he said, no, there's no chance of that coming. The minister said there's no chance of that coming and you know what, I just did it anyway because, hey, it's my captain's call. Um, so, you know, and then that's the case. Then we're coming into a pandemic thing which gets extended every three months with very little scrutiny. Um Going on to that, subsection 4 says the validity of a pandemic declaration is not affected by either of the following. The pandemic declaration was made on the basis that the Premier was satisfied at the time of the making the, the declaration that there was a serious risk to public health arising from a disease of pandemic potential, but the disease was a pa- pandemic disease at the time. Or the, the pandemic declaration was made on the basis that the Premier was satisfied at the time of the making of the declaration that there was a serious risk to public health arising from a pandemic disease, but the disease was a pandemic, a disease of pandemic potential at the time. So, you know what? You know, he can easily do that. Smallpox, hey, that's a disease of pandemic potential. Let's call that. Um, and you know what? This is, you know, the thing. Um, what is concerning? All he's got to do is that. Bill Gates has put it out there. We know Bill Gates got involved in that uh, roundtable, um, what was it, that, that number crunching, that desktop thing, that whatever it was that they did where they talked about some big virus that's going to hit, uh, hit the world as a pandemic and sure enough, what do we have? Um, so, you know what, that's what we've got. Uh, having a look at the... Explanatory memorandum, uh, I'm trying to go through both pages at the same time and it's going to be a bit of a challenge because the bills are so big and, um, yeah. Uh, Okay, on the explanatory memorandum, new section 165AB, which talks about the declaration, a serious risk to public health is defined in the Principal Act, which is Public Health and Wellbeing Act, subject to minor gram- grammatical amendments to be made by Clause 4.4 of the Bill to mean a material risk that substantial injury or prejudice to the health of human beings has occurred or may occur, having regard to specified factors. Now, this um, new Section 3.5 and 6 to be inserting by Clause 4.6 of the Bill, explain that an infectious disease is a pandemic disease or a disease of panic, pandemic potential for that. Uh, subsection 3 clarifies that the Premier may make a pandemic declaration whether or not at the time the declaration is made the relevant disease is present in Victoria. This recognises that the threat of pandemic disease or a disease of pandemic potential entering or re-entering or becoming president, president, present in Victoria could still present a serious risk to public health in Victoria. This enables a pandemic declaration to be made to enable precautionary preventative actions to be taken to prevent such a disease posing a serious risk to public health from becoming present in Victoria. Uh, you know what? If... You know, that bit alone should be ringing alarm bells for everyone everywhere. 
you know, th- th- there's just so much. I mean, we've heard him say time and time again that this is uh, what we're going through now is going to be a disease of the unvaccinated. Uh, he's going to be excluding um, unvaccinated people from different parts of society, though there was something that they were talking about today where he said that there's going to be barely any rules left after um, Thursday, I think that's Friday, when the new state of emergency comes out uh, and that's been um, produced there. Uh, So there'll be new directions and everything like that. From that, um, you know what, do we believe that there's going to be no rules? I don't. Um, Or virtually no rules, there's going to be a big one which is going to be pushing his vaccine passport and the... Um, segregated society. I mean, he's made it clear in the past that it's going to be some uh, well into uh, 2022 before the uh, unjabbed are able to participate in society. Uh, so, you know, this is concerning that he could just create something out of the air and say that's it and then go through the same process again, locking people down uh, because it's coming, declaring oh, this is what's going on and then that's going to happen. And then, you know what, no one's got any ability to uh, to oppose it or anything like that. Uh, okay, so moving right along, uh, talking about the pandemic declaration continues in force until the end of the period specified in the declaration under section blah, 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 um, or if the, de- section e- the declaration is extended under section blah, 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 the end of the period as extended, or if the declaration is, in, is revoked before it ceases to be in force. Um, pandemics declarations uh, can be varied. Uh, a disease of pandemic potential, including a disease that was a pandemic disease when the pandemic declaration first came into force, but is a disease of pandemic potential at the time. So, you know what? He can still turn around and do it because of this. Even if we turn around and say, hey, there's no more pandemic for uh, SARS-CoV-2, he can turn around, oh, well, hey, you know what? It has a pandemic potential. So, Let's just invoke that and I'll talk to you in three months' time when I decide to um, talk about the the time of whether it can be extended or not. Uh, Once again, the Premier must consult, uh, which will be what? The new 165AE subsection 5. There is no limit on the number of times a pandemic declaration may be extended under subsection 1 but the period of each extension must not be longer than three months. So every quarter turns around and says, hey, you know what, let's do another pandemic declaration or or potential declaration for another three months. He can just do it into into however long he decides. Um, You know what, there's the possibility of it never ending. Uh, If he gets his way, I don't genuinely believe it will end because there will be something coming out. There will be another pandemic. There will be something else. Oh, no, we get this this bug and all of a sudden, you know, under control and all of a sudden the flu comes out again. Oh, you know what? That's going to be a pandemic potential. So we've got to do that. Uh, Section 165AG, reporting to Parliament in relation to a pandemic declaration. Uh, the Premier must prepare a report in accordance with this section on the making, variation, extension or revocation, which must include the following. A statement for the reasons of the making, variation, extension or revocation, a copy of the advice of the Minister and Chief Health Officer in respect of making, variation or extension. Now, if you have a look, 
the current Public Health and Wellbeing Act says that, says that the advice of the Chief Health Officer must be uh, contained in a report to Parliament. And if you've had a look at that advice, uh, and I've read most of it out, it was, what, 32 pages of waffle, uh, nothing made any uh, any sense. And I, I generally don't believe that it justified declaring a state of emergency except the... Uh, the minister, who is Martin Foley at the time, has decided, yep, it is. Uh, so where are we going? What's that one? Uh, section 198 of the current Act, uh, 198 subsection 8A. If a state of emergency declaration extended beyond the six-month period, um, then for the purpose of reporting as required by subsection 8, during the period of extension, the minister must report on the reasons for the extension and the public health risk powers and emergency powers exercised and include in the report a copy of the advice of the Chief Health Officer in respect to the extension. And this is a report that gets tabled in Parliament. So it's already there. You know, there's not going, there's no uh, increase in transparency or anything like that. It's just the same waffle. They'll give a 30-page report on why that needs to be done um, and then that's it, it's justified. And the Premier says, you know what, hey, that's it. And you know what, you tell me what public servant is going to provide written advice saying, you know what, I don't agree with that there is pandemic potential or anything like that and then that gets included in it. You know, really, do you think that's going to happen? Because either A, the Premier lose, you know, there will be such an uproar that the Premier, you know, come the next election, which is every four years, you know, will be booted out of office, in which case the uh, chief health officer will lose his job because he didn't stand up to the Premier uh, and all that. So, you know what, it, it's just going to be they're going to create their little never-ending, um, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy and, and, and everything like that. Uh, going into pandemic orders uh, that the minister may make. Uh, going through that... Um, let me find... Okay. To whom a pandemic order may apply? A pandemic order may be expressed to apply to the following. All persons, specified classes of persons, specified persons. A pandemic order must not be expressed to apply to a single named individual. So without limiting subsection 1, a pandemic order may apply to uh, differentiate between or vary in its application to persons or classes of persons identified by one or more of the following. Their presence in the pandemic management area or in particular in a particular location in a pandemic management area, their participation in or presence at an event, an activity they have undertaken or undertaking, their characteristics, attributes or circumstances. Now, this is the, the bit that has got everyone upset. So, you know, the, the, the minister can make a... Uh, pandemic management, uh, pandemic order against a particular group of people based on their characteristics, attributes or circumstances. Now, subsection four, without limiting the meaning of the expression attribute in subsection three, a pandemic order may apply to or differentiate between or vary in its application of, to persons or classes of persons identified by reference to an attribute within the meaning of the Equal Opportunity Act 2010. And to avoid doubt, a pandemic order is an enactment for the purposes of subsection of Section 751B of that Act. 
Now, going back a little bit, talking about uh, pandemic orders, 165AI uh, talks about the minister may make a pandemic order. Now, this goes through the orders that the minister can make with regards to that. They can make a pandemic order that restricts movement in a pandemic ma- management area or requires movement into, in, into or from a pandemic management area. So, remember, he can de- he can turn around and say, okay, Hume, uh, local government area, no, nah, pandemic there. Um, move everybody out or anything like that. Um, he can turn around and say, or that prevents or limits entry to a pandemic management area, or prohibits or regulates gatherings, whether public or private, in a pandemic management area. Uh, that requires the use of PPE. Uh, that prohibits or regulates the carrying on of activities, businesses or undertakings in the pandemic uh, management area that requires the provision of information, including information about the identity of a person, the production of documents or the keeping of records, or that requires a medical examination or testing of persons in pandemic management area or as a condition of entry to a pandemic management area that requires the quarantining, destruction or other management of disease vectors in a pandemic management area um, or a period of detention specified in a pandemic order must not exceed uh, 17, 18. Yep. Um, okay, so that's another subsection. So um, that talks about detention. Uh, so you know what? This is, this is all very concerning. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it gives them the ability to do whatever they want. Um, essentially prohibits or regulates the carrying on of activities, businesses or undertakings in a pandemic management area. Uh, there are concerns that if this bill becomes enacted that uh, Andrews could effectively call off the next election. Uh, there is nothing that says that he can't do that. Uh, he could also turn around and say, well, hey, everyone needs to vote by postal vote in the area of um, Hume, uh, Whittlesea or Melbourne metro areas or whatever, you know, the local government areas and list all of them. Then that's it. Everyone votes by postal vote. And if you're watching anything that happens overseas, you know that there's a number of concerns about postal votes. Um, could do it electronically. Um, who knows what they could do? Uh Okay, having a look at the time now, 26 minutes and I've um, only up to page 20. Um, you know what, this is um, talking about more about pandemic orders. Uh, in making pandemic order, the minister must have regard to the advice of the chief health officer, which may be given orally or in writing about the matters referred to in subsection 1A and B. Um Pandemic or may be in writing and must specify the day in which period ref- the refusal or failure to comply with the order without a reasonable excuse is an offence. Um, a pandemic order may be of general or of specifically limited application, may differ according to the differences of time, place and circumstance, may leave any matter or thing to be from time to time determined, applied. Uh, you know, this is is so vague and broad that it does it, it gives them power to do whatever they want um, now there's another bit that um, okay so 
Um, they're saying documents must be tabled in Parliament. The Minister must ensure they're within six sitting days after a pandemic order or a variation extension. Copy of the pandemic order, blah, 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 gets tabled, is laid before each House of Parliament and a copy of each document is published under there. Um, publication of pandemic order in the Government Gazette, which is what normally happens anyway, um, in a special edition within 10 working days after the making. Now, all that already happens because all these directions are already published in the 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 government the government gazette uh, now something that I did want to um, talk about now was uh, the scrutiny suspension and disallowance of pandemic orders now if you listen to what the crossbenchers are saying they're talking about that um, Consideration of pandemic orders by Parliament. The Scrutiny of Acts and Regulations Committee must uh, may report to each House of Parliament if the Scrutiny of Acts Committee considers that the pandemic order or instrument that extends, varies or revokes a pandemic order before Parliament under section blah, 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 does not appear to be within the powers conferred by this Act or without clear and express authority being conferred by the Act, has retrospective effect, imposes a tax fee, fine, imprisonment or other penalty, or purports to shift the legal burden of proof to a person accused of an offence, or uh, provides for the subdelegation of powers delegated by the Act, um, or is incompatible with human rights as set out in the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're turning around saying, oh, but, you know, the Scrutiny of Acts Committee is is powerful and, and can do this. Well, if we have a look at the makeup of that, uh, there is seven members of that, four are ALP, two are from the Liberal Party and one is Miss Patton herself. So if she's helped work on this bill, um, okay, this is let's say, okay, we'll, we'll consider a, a scenario. Daniel Andrews, let's say 16th of December, declares a pandemic um, declaration or potemic potential, whatever he wants to call it, and the Scrutiny of Acts Committee turns around and has a look at it. There's four, if you include Patton, five, five to two. Do you think that they're going to find saying, turn around and say, oh, no, Mr Premier, you don't have the authority to do that because what you've done is uh, in breach of uh, incompatible with the human rights set out in the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities Act. Do you think they're going to do that? No, they're not because they know it's going to be political suicide to do it. So saying that this, uh, you know, this committee has the power to look at it is just, um, let's say it's just gaslighting because they're, they're going to make you think that, oh, my, you know, there's here's a powerful committee that can overrule it. Well, it can't. Um If the scrutiny, so here, suspension of a pandemic order or part of a pandemic order. If the scrutiny of that committee uh, proposes under subsection 165AS to recommend that a pandemic order or an instrument that extends, varies, or revokes should be disallowed in part, here in whole, or amended, and is of the opinion that considerations of justice and fairness require that the operation of the pandemic order or any part of the pandemic order or instrument to any part of the instrument that extends, blah, 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 blah. The um, may propose in the report under subsection 165AS that the operation of the order or pandemic order, um, as the case be, should be suspended. Now, it doesn't actually, uh, goes on then, Governor, Council, Governor and Council, on the recommendation of the responsibility, responsible minister, made within this period of seven days, referred to in subsection 2, may by order published in the Gazette, 
the operation of the pandemic order um, is not suspended. So, you know, it, it it you know it goes to the minister and the governor and council and all that. So, the the chance of that committee turning around and saying no, and considering that these committees are normally made up of the heavily government orientated, there is no uh, committee that is um, has a majority of non government members. Um, you know, so it's you know this this is just extremely concerning. Um, you know, I've got up to page thirty three, and uh, it's just yep. Uh, okay, all the you know it, it's it baffles me. Um, there is a section. Just bear with me if I can find it. Okay, found the section I was after. Uh, it's it's buried uh, in the the back of the act uh, or the sorry the bill. Um, so it's section one sixty five C U subsection one. Um, it's titled immunity. This section applies to the following: the chief health officer, a delegate of the chief health officer, an authorized officer, attention detention review officer, a person to whom this section applies is not personally liable for anything done or omitted to be done in good faith at the time when a pandemic declaration is in force in relation to a pandemic disease or a pandemic potential. In the exercise of a power or discharge of a duty in relation to the pandemic disease or disease of pandemic potential. Um, so this uh, removes the, uh, you know, makes everyone immune from everything. Um, so if an authorised officer, a worksafe person, police or whatever it is or whoever's um, authorised as under this act to be an authorised officer or a detention review officer, if they do something or don't do something that causes uh, an injury or whatever it is to a person, well, then, bang, um, you know, they're, they're immune. Now, the other bit that is concerning is uh, new section um, 212A, which is the abrogation of privilege against self-incrimination. Now, this means that they can compel you to answer questions. You can't turn around and uh, as the Americans would say, is take the fifth. You have to say no. Um, they can turn around and say no, you have to answer it. Uh, um, so um, subsection of the Public Health and Wellbeing Act 212 is protection against self-incrimination. Uh, as it currently stands, a natural person may refuse or fail to give information or do anything uh, that a person is required to do by or under this act or the regulations in if giving the information or doing the other thing would tend to incriminate the person. All right. Um, so then this one turns around and says, uh, abrogation of privilege against self-incrimination. A person is not excused from, from complying with a requirement under or for the purposes of Part A to provide information on the ground the information might incriminate the person or make the person liable to a penalty. Information provided by a natural person in compliance with the requirement is not admissible in evidence against a natural person in a criminal proceeding other than in a proceeding in respect of the provision of false and misleading information it must not be used in any action, proceeding or process that may make the person liable to criminal penalty. <sighs> Um, no, you know, it, it's, it, there's just, um, yeah. mindful of the time here, it's 35 minutes, I, I did record another one before that, um, 
you know, it was an hour uh, hour long and I was still only halfway through it. But, you know, this this is a disgusting bill. Um, this, this should never have been even considered in the first place. Um, for Andy Medic, who's supposedly about justice and social justice and, and all that sort of crap, because that's what I'm going to call it now, um, to even consider putting his name to it and supporting this is just um, an absolute utter embarrassment uh, that he turns around and uh, talks it up and says how good it is and same as Miss Patton and uh, Ms. Rattenham too. Uh, it's just embarrassing. Uh, this, Honestly, I think the only good thing about this bill and the explanatory memorandum is it's heavy enough to be used as a doorstop. Uh, it shouldn't be, it, it should never have seen the light of day for the Andrews regime to bring something like this to Parliament is an embarrassment uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's the thing. I think that we should all be keeping pressure on, on the three crossbenchers to uh, reject the bill in its entirety. I, I don't care about amendments because you cannot fix something that is bad to begin with. Any amendments will be there for a little bit. The nuts of the bill, you know, the, the, the guts of the bill is still there. Uh, so what's the turnaround later on and say, oh, you know what, we need to change it now, so let's amend this or let's create this or this little bill to bring this in that amends this act and here we are back again. Um, so, you know, uh, the, the thoughts are that this bill was either created deliberately bad for the purposes of uh, and the Andrews regime is turning around and saying, like they did with the omnibus bill, watering it down a little bit so they still get the, what they want. There's a couple of bits in there which will be the Premier making the pandemic like the declaration, the ability to uh, detain people and everything like that. that that's what he's wanted uh, for the Premier to have the power. Now, you know, he's wanted that rather than having the Chief Health Officer do it and make these directions, which we know... That's a politicised position because, you know, as I said in the, in the previous one, the advice to extend the uh, state of emergency is done, what was, what was I think the last one was, what, 11 days before the current one expired? Uh, if the evidence and the science is changing all the time, how is he going to know that it's warranted in 11 days' time unless this has all been politicised? Um, so that's what I think it is. Anyway, um, once again, being mindful of the time here now, I'm just going to end it more. Um, I could go into it in a bit more detail, but we've seen all the information put out by um, the QCs, the Bar Association and everything like that. Uh, there are so many problems with the bill that it's not funny. It can't be neatened up. It can't be polished up. Uh, so it should just be gotten rid of. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly think let everything expire. Come, come December, see how we go with two weeks of freedom, genuine freedom where there's no rules and no BS government direction or chief health officer directions and all that. Let's see how we go uh, and then let the people decide if they're going to isolate. Let the people decide if they're going to wear face coverings. Let the people decide, oh, no, okay, let's, let's not go out. Let's not do this. Let the people decide. Don't, you know... This is the thing. Government should stay out of our lives and, um, you know, I'm going to rant more about that in uh, future episodes but, you know, government needs to stay out of our life. We need to be able to be treated like adults instead of infantilised with all these directions, all this scaremongering that's going on 
um, and we'll be the ones that make the decisions because this is how a free society is supposed to operate. Uh, if the regime and those supporting it, the supporting the um, this bill, want a dictatorial dictatorial society, then go and move somewhere where it is, and then let's see how you fare. Um, but you know, as I've said all over social media, this is just the ruling class telling us what they're doing and how they want us to comply with it. They, the ruling class do not give a whoopty about us, and um, I will include. Some, if not all, members of the opposition as well because they're just as bad. Remember, they're the ones who voted or abstained from voting where people had to show their papers to get into parliament, which caused um, a number of MPs to uh, start a rebel parliament for, for a period of time. So don't think that the Liberal Party is going to be any better. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, two sides of the same coin. Uh, you know, th- there's nothing different about them. Um, all the comments by Matthew Guy on social media and everything like that just shows that he's just going to be an own brand version of, of Daniel Andrews. Uh, he hasn't turned around and said, no, we will withdraw, we will, you know, um, redact, re- retract the bill or anything like that. We will rip it all up. Haven't made, we just, you know, they just want their amendments, which means that they want the power too. And that's what we need to understand is that, yes, if the bill goes ahead, oh, you know, we may be able to trust Danny Andrews not to do that, which we know he will. Though the other thing is what happens when he's out of office and it is hopefully it does happen in the next election. Well, what's going to happen then? Who's going to have that power then? Do you really want any politician having that sort of power? Uh, I don't know about you, but my answer is no. So anyway, um, as I said, not going to waffle too much more about it. Um, apologies if it didn't go as deep as uh, you wanted it to. I mean, I did, but it's a very big bill. And, uh, you know, I think we could talk for hours on it and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Anyway, uh, I'm going to wait and see what the amendments are like when they come out, when they're published, uh, or if there's any proposed, and wait and see what happens with that. And then I might do another one um, about that. Now, future episodes... Oh, once this goes on, it's just going to be talking about day's headlines. Um, next one, I think I might um, later on in this week do a bit more of a, a deeper dive into Andy Medic and, and his understanding of things and, and everything like that. Now, as I said in the past, I have reached out to his office for uh, to get him to come on to uh, this show as a guest. Um, spoke to his office this morning and was told that, no, he's not doing any interviews relating to this bill. Uh, maybe he might do it after the bill has passed Parliament or is gone, so um, been defeated in Parliament. Uh, so, you know, maybe waiting a couple of weeks. In which case, you know what, that's fine. I'll, um, you know, take him to task over that. Then if he does appear on it, whether he does or he doesn't, I don't know. I'm still going to keep trying uh, and all that. So we'll wait and see how he goes. Um, so anyway, all right. That's about it for this one. Thanks for listening. My name's Cameron Blewett. This was the Fifth Estate Podcast. Until next time, bye for now.